Scott, welcome to Bibles, Bulldogs, and Beards. And as all, always, I'm here with a fellow bearded bulldog, Pastor William <laughs> Shifflett. That's right. <laughs> and uh, it, it's good to be with you here good to be this again. morning, yeah. Pastor. And good to see you're in a good mood. Yeah. So. Um, of course, Pastor Ship, Pastor William is the pastor of Reasoning Tree Church in Edinburgh, Virginia, in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. And we would love to have you stop by and visit us. Yes. Today, I'm excited about today. I don't know about you because, uh, but I'm excited because we get to talk about the early church. Right. That's something, you know, uh, I think is a little bit lacking in the, in the church nowadays, uh, unfortunately. And I'm not sure why. Maybe we can get into that as we talk. But of course, we are discussing the book, The Creedal Imperative by Dr. Carl Truman, and I encourage you to get this book, follow along with us. Uh, Even if you don't follow along with us, just read it. There's a wealth of information in that book, and uh, excellent, excellent book. So get that wherever you buy your Christian uh, books. And also, if you're in the market for good books, Pastor William has his own. He is author pilot, pastor, uh, motor and cycle enthusiast, and uh, he has a resume about this one. So. <laughs> and one of those is author, and he has several good books on Amazon, so look those up, uh, and I'm sure you'll be blessed if you read right. one of those. So, Pastor, uh, let's get started. One of the frequent objections to, to creeds is that the Bible doesn't contain any. Is this really true? No, it isn't. It, yes, there, there are creeds. They aren't called creeds as we think of them, but there are all kinds of passages in the Bible that are laid out in creedal form. Right. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize, and we, we stress this, one of the things I say about creeds is if you're out in public and somebody says, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. You can just recite the Apostles' Creed. That, right. that's, that's an encapsulation of the of the faith and the Apostles' Creed is a little bit simpler uh, and less wordy than the Nicene Creed. Of course, we use both, but but you can tell people that's that's what we believe. And when you study the the writings of the Gospels, you find out that many of the teachings of Jesus were were uttered in a in a rhythmic fashion that are easy to remember, like the Beatitudes. Okay, so the creeds serve the same kind of purpose. And even though they aren't called creeds, there's this this encapsulated statement about truth. Mm-hmm. And you have them, as you as you highlighted, as Dr. Truman highlights his book, and you highlighted on the outline, you have 1 Corinthians, where Paul says, I'm giving you what I was given. You have uh, the passage in Ephesians about one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You have uh, uh, the, the passage in Timothy about uh, great is the mystery of godliness. You also have Philippians chapter 2, which talks about uh, though he was in the form of man, he humbled himself and became right. obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Though all those kind of statements are laid out in a very in, in a structure that is easily remembered, 
that is fundamental, that's basic. You're not getting into any heavy theology. It's basic stuff, and it's easily easily recited. And so those are a number of passages, some varying lengths, that are in the Gospels. And from the internal evidence, that is, when you look at the, the, the way the, the, it's laid out in the Greek, it seems like it was an established thing, that Paul's not just talking off, off the cuff. Mm-hmm. He's repeating something that has been in the center of the church. Right. And so, though they aren't called creeds, there are there is creedal material right. in 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 the Bible. A form of sound words, I right. guess, would be a good way to say it, like yeah. we talked about uh, last time. Uh, it's interesting that you say, you know, when people ask you what you believe, because a lot of people in you, I've heard you say this from the pulpit. A lot of people say, "Well, I believe, I right. believe." Well, what do you believe? Right. And a lot of people don't know no. what they. That, they, that, that, no, they don't. And the other thing is that many Christians might stumble on this because they say, well, I can't get into a full-throated discussion about, you don't have to. Right. Because the creed, is, and again, using the Apostles' Creed is the simplest, the creed is, is just this brief encapsulation of what you believe. And then if the person is a sincere seeker, mm-hmm. they're really interested, then they will, uh, they, they will uh, ask you further. And then you might have a greater opportunity for discussion to unpack some of the elementary things. Right. But it's just a way to say, what do you believe? And I've, I've encouraged people uh, to do that when we recite the creeds. Use this. If you're out in public, so your work with somebody, a friend, what, do you, what does your church believe? Mm-hmm. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Right. Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, our Lord. You know, that it, becomes a, it can become a witnessing tool mm-hmm. as well as an anchor to the historic church. Right. And it's so very, you know, a lot of people say it uh, can become ritualistic, and we talked about that a little bit last time, too. So it's very important to listen in each each statement, listen to it, know what it means. Right. Uh, so you can, you know, uh, give a good explanation for your, for your faith. So just don't memorize it and don't know what it means. Right. Uh, learn it and understand what it means, yes, I guess, yes. uh, is yeah. the important thing. And it's not really that hard to understand, is no, it? I no. mean, uh, uh, children should be able to understand the creed, right. which is just a summarize, uh, just summarizes our faith. Right, yeah. A simple summary and brief statement of what we believe. Each right. item can be unpacked more thoroughly in a, and in fact, it's been years ago now, but I did a 16-week series on the Apostles' Creed, and I unpacked it biblically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you you can do that. But it's such a, uh, a fundamental tool, and we do caution people, of course, in our church to prevent it becoming just a ritual. We have switched from the nice apostles. We did the apostles for years, and we, mm-hmm. did, we did the Nicene for a few years. Now we're, we're breaking down the Nicene and the apostles' and reading one line, and then reading scriptures mm-hmm. that one line is based upon. Right. So that people see that this is really the scripture. We're not just reciting something from memory just as a part of a religious ritual, but we're seeing how it really connects us to the Word of God. Right, and I'm really enjoying this series, uh, too, learning quite a bit. So uh, thank God for, for the church going through that, and that's something... Probably every church needs right needs periodically, to, yeah, 
right? Well, uh, Dr. Truman goes on, he says, we need to understand that creeds have a twofold aspect. First is the content aspect of it. Um, and he calls that the doctrinal concern, or do, how do you pronounce that? Doctrinal. Doctrinal. The doctrinal concern. Yeah, actually, My English is not so well, even it's, though... Well, <laughs> it's one of those uh, potato-potato things, right. you know. It, and plus, if doctrinal you listen... Doctrinal or doctrinal, either way, it's right. Right. And if, <coughs> if you listen to Dr. Truman speak, of course, he's from England, I believe. I'm not sure what part yeah, of England. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Ferguson... Was from uh, Scotland. Is from Scotland, yeah. so... They pr probably pronounce it a little bit yeah. differently. Yeah, than, they probably than do we say do. doctrinal. So, yeah. So, don't get hung up on the way. Right. My my bad English, please. Uh, and then he goes on. And he says there is a normative nature. Now, what, really, what does he mean by that? He says it's the concerns in the study of the church. Is that exactly what it is, or or is that what he means? And yeah, well, normative means this is what should be consistent with all Christians, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's like a two-sided coin. The doctrine's on one side and how that doctrine affects the church, but this would be normal, okay? Right. Uh, it's a little off track, but there's a danger that we lose the sense of the Scripture normalizes what we believe, okay? Mm -hmm. And that what we believe is consistent with Scripture. It is the guiding, it is the norming norm as another term that's sometimes used in theological uh, language. But it just means that it is the, the, the standard that shapes and guides us in our walk as Christians. Mm -hmm. How would you define orthodoxy in the church? Well, orthodoxy is, in the simplest concept, just means right belief, right opinions, right beliefs. Orthodontist, straighten your teeth. Orthopedics straighten or work with straightening your muscles. Uh, orthodoxy means right belief or a straight belief, uh, a belief by a rule. And that rule, of course, is scripture. Right. Uh, the scripture determines what we believe or what we should believe. And well, this is one of the things that he brings out quite well is that a lot of people reject the creeds because they think they are the product of men. But and, and which which is true, and yet the creeds are produced out of the scriptures, right. and this is why again we're going through this and breaking down the creed to show the people the scriptures for all of this, in a simple recitation before the service, so that they can see this is the scripture, mm -hmm. and so the, the 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 founders, the early church fathers, the founders of uh, 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 and and the people that put together the creeds. We're working from Scripture. Now, you, you have this beautiful book, 66 books in the Bible. Uh, it can never be mined to its fullness. Right. Uh, it's one thing I've learned in my walk in the last two decades. You just There's just so much there. How can a, a, an average Christian possibly have connection to all of it? And the answer is the creeds. The creeds give us that encapsulation, but it's based on Scripture. So right doctrine, right beliefs must flow out of the scriptures, rightly divided, which it's interesting, if I'm not mistaken, uh, rightly dividing the word means to cut a straight course. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what the creeds do. They keep us on a straight course. Right. And, and so 
this is what orthodoxy is. It's one of those big words that people are afraid of, mm-hmm. but it really is a good word. It means that there are good beliefs, right beliefs, and then there are beliefs that are that are not consistent with Scripture. Mm-hmm. And when you buy into those, you have fallen away from orthodoxy. Well, he goes on, and of course we're talking about the early church, and he talks about the rule of faith. And he says, the rule of faith is a summary of the essentials of Christianity that occurs in various verbal forms in the writings of numerous early church fathers. And we're going to get into those early church fathers a little bit uh, later as we we talk, but um, I have to admit, I've been a Christian for some 40, I don't know, almost 50 years. And, and I'm almost ashamed to admit this, but I've never heard of the rule of faith yeah. until I read the uh, book by Dr. Truman. Right. So uh, is this something that has been forgotten by the church or uh, is it something that most churches don't even realize exists? Okay, so I'm going to answer that because I'm, I've been a Christian a, a similar amount of time, 40, 42, 43 years. I never heard it either. Mm-hmm. But I think at least part of that is that you and I were were saved in a a time that I think will be looked back upon by future Christians and theologians as a uh, unfortunate chapter of the American church mm-hmm. where we focus so much on getting people in right we stop talking about some of the foundational beliefs which drive us getting them in. The Mm -hmm. church growth movement was, let's grow the church, whatever needs to be done, let's do that, whatever program, let's do that, because what we want to do is grow the church. And so some of the traditional, some of the bedrock kinds of things, like creeds, like the rule of faith, which is very similar to a creed, okay, um, those things were, those things fell, unfortunately, by the wayside. We, Mm -hmm. We started focusing on other things, uh, content became less important. Ministers began to be judged, and we're living in this now. And I'm, I'm going to be careful here because I don't want to suggest that every pastor out there did this or that every pastor now is doing this. Right. But we have, and we're, we are still in a little bit of a, of, uh, of a fringe, if you will, of the superstar pastors. Mm-hmm. There's still too many of those that are out there that, that that they they are looked at as heroes somehow, even though some of what they teach is obviously wrong. Right. And and they even make statements that may not be wrong, maybe we're taking them wrong, but they're opening themselves up to those kind of misstatements because of their popularity. And so some of the fundamentals of the Christian faith have been uh, lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. and the clutter of what I consider the church growth movement. Right. And again, I'm not I'm not diminishing any any of the people that worked with that or, or benefited from it. I'm simply saying these were the kinds of things that were lost. Our focus began to be on uh, activities and uh, uh, and things of that nature instead of the content of the scripture. Right, and that's what's great about the creeds right. is it brings you back to the word of God. It, it brings you back. And, and that again is, and this is very important right now because we are living in 
the post-Christian America, okay, mm-hmm. where it was, Christianity was everywhere, mm-hmm. it was accepted, it was endorsed, it was celebrated, uh, you know, now it's it's vilified right. to, a, to a great extent, it's vilified, and perhaps to some extent justifiably because Christians don't know what they believe. Right. You see, the, the problem with some people is they think we, we need to get rid of the church, and what we need to do is re- educate Christians about what they believe because they're saying things that aren't biblical or they're saying them in the wrong way and giving the impression it vilifies us in in the culture. But again, what is the answer? The answer is the content and the rule of faith is a guideline for that Mm -hmm. to keep us, uh, keep us in the right track. Remember what we said weeks ago with Karl Barth said the creeds express the church's resistance to strange voices Mm-hmm. And that's the rule of faith as well. It says, here's what's true from a Christian perspective. This is the truth. And to be a Christian, you must be within that stream. Uh, the rivers, the river is wide and the eddies, you know, if you ever throw a stick in a river, you'll see it goes to this side. It might go to that side. It gets caught in this current. But the point is you're in the river. Right. Uh, if you end up on the bank or you end up in one of those little Things that are going round and round in the in the in the in the river, then you've missed something. You're not in the mainstream again, and so we can think of the rule of faith as this stream of God's word, and we need to stay in that. Well, that's that brings to mind you. You were talking about uh, the culture we live in now, and uh, you know the culture we were in when we were raised. At the time of this recording. Um, there is what a lot of people are calling a revival going on at, I believe it, it's Asbury uh, yes. uh, University. I think it is a Christian school. Uh, I believe it's uh, United Methodist, yeah, Methodist Church that's going on. And there's reports of like 24-hour worship going on there at the, the church. Now, I see, I haven't really been following it, uh, to be perfectly honest, and I'm not sure if you no, have I either. But I know about it, but I haven't, I haven't followed it. Uh, there, there have been like totally opposite views on social media, which is not surprising. Right. <laughs> really. So I was just wondering if you had any observations on what's going on at Asbury right now or... Well, I, if you I, want to pass, I mean, that's no, I, I, I can say this because I think it's important to be said. No movement can be considered legitimate that does not turn us to the scriptures. Right. If it's just that's about true. emotions, if it's just about song, are people's hearts being changed by their exposure to the scripture? Right. Uh, we are sanctified by the truth. This is the prayer of Jesus in John 17. Sanctify them by that truth. Thy word is truth. Right. He says, I have given them your words. Uh, and you can go on there. If, if it doesn't produce a passion for the scriptures, it, it, it really cannot be said, cannot be called a revival. It might be an, an emotional stirring, and maybe people need that kind of emotional release uh, in a number of ways in life. But if it's, in, in, in my view, and I think this is scriptural, if it is truly a move of God, it will turn the hearts of people to 
the scripture. Now give me a passage, Pastor, okay. Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Mm-hmm. Paul is saying to the church, and that word, by the way, dwell in, the, the Greek word means to come in and begin to manage the household. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a, oh, I feel good, God loves me. It's a, this needs to be fixed kind of thing. And, and that's where, where I have uh, my concerns are, if it's not going to produce a hunger for the word, then I'm not sure there's, I'm not sure we can call it a, a revival. Now, what people, we live in this culture just now where nobody wants to judge and any kind of judgment is considered wrong. But let me give you what my passion here about. I've, I haven't followed it, but I've seen a few comments that have been shared by different folks that have said there's no leader. There's no one person. People just sharing testimonies and confessing sin. Well, okay, confess your sins, but make sure we got a biblical concept of sin. Right. Uh, but but if there's no if if there's no voice, no no uh, guiding figure, then how do we know what's being said is consistent with Scripture? Mm-hmm. It's that it's that kind of of issues that I have concerns there. If we do not stay with the scripture, right? You know, so when I when I hear people talk about revivals, whatever the case, my first question is: uh, Are people being taught the Bible? Mm-hmm. And and the, the problem is that the answer to that, unfortunately, mm-hmm. is no. Right, and of course we, as we, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Right. So, um, even and that's that and that's a you know like you've expanded yeah. before it's just not a saving uh, faith but it's a sanctifying faith it's, it's a transforming faith right. and if you don't have any kind of change uh, I mean you know what people would say well we don't you know we just don't need the Bible really mm-hmm. is that what God would say I Think so. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so you, so you get into those kind of questions, and what I say to people is, okay, set back and just wait, yeah. because you know there was twenty years ago now, and many people, many people. In fact, uh, most of those young people involved in this revival, or this, this, uh, in this thing that some are labeling a revival. Most of them were not alive when the great Brownsville revival happened. And the Brownsville revival down in Pensacola, Florida, that, that hundreds of thousands of people went to, hundreds of thousands of people were supposed to get saved at. Buses from all over, the churches from all over the country loaded up their buses and drove down, to, uh, drove down there to uh, Brownsville, uh, claimed healings and, and all kinds of things. Uh, and, of course, the church ended up uh, virtually closing. The mm-hmm. pastor resigned. The evangelist went off uh, went off somewhere else. One of them has died since then. The, the teacher, Michael Brown, which we all know, he was, if I'm not mistaken, was brought in to start a Christian school at the church, and then he went off and started another church across town. So all of this revival did was take up a lot of emotional energy, for four or five years, and then left 
people scattered. And the last report that I read, and this is a long time ago, said that the this church that had had this, which was the centerpiece of this great revival, had just a few uh, a handful of people struggling to keep the church alive. Mm-hmm. So I look back, and I and by the way, I was not a fan. I did not load up the bus. I did not tell anybody to go to Brownsville. I tell I took the position then. I take the position now. God is just as real here as he is there. I don't need to go there to experience God. And if I am going, if I'm making a long trip to experience God, then then I'm not sure that I'm going for the right reasons Mm -hmm. because he's here. He's with me right here. Uh, so, so, So those are the things that I would say just for anybody that's either frustrated or delighted. Best thing to do is just step back and wait and see, because uh, if it's a real revival, it will bring transformation to the college. Mm -hmm. It will bring transformation to the community. It will bring transformation to the denomination. And that's... uh, That's very much needed. Yeah. And all of that. Yeah. You know, so if you have, um, in all due respect to Tim Wildman of American Family Association, but he was one of the first ones to, to announce this thing. Mm-hmm. And some of the reports that I've heard say that they are actually promoting the very things that he's been working against in, this, in, his, wow. in his ministry. So it, it cannot be a God revival. And there are all kinds of other connotations there what we can't get into. But, but except to say, let's watch. Let's watch see what happens. See. Well... Uh, I actually, I used to pray for revival uh, consistently, a lot, not all the time, but uh, quite a bit I used to pray for revival. And I kind of changed that and started praying for reformation of of God's church. Now, what do you think will come first in America, if either? Uh, Do you think reformation would come first? Or do you think revival would come first? Okay. Uh, I would have to say reformation, and here's why. Because every group has their own unique definition of revival. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the word of faith, charismatic people are going to define revival as miracles and prosperity. Right. Uh, the Pentecostals are going to define revival as uh, uh people being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baptists who have their own definition of revival. So so, so that's part of the problem. Like, that's Record part. number of baptisms. Yeah, right, exactly. Whether uh, they're true or Yeah, not. exactly. You, you, so you, you have a complete... So first we have a word that is open and subject to great uh, variation in what we're... And so the, this group's praying for revival, and they mean something completely different from this group. Uh, Reformation, I think, would be more, and and I think this is more consistent with the historic Reformation. Luther began to look at the scriptures and say, we're believing the wrong things here. We've gotten off track. And he begins to search the scriptures and and dig into the scriptures. And of course, he wasn't the first one. Others had seen these and had tried to bring correction to the Catholic Church before. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that has to happen first. That we've got to get back to the Word of God, 
and not using it into to our own advantage, but really digging into the scriptures. Now, the difference is going to be revivals make a lot of noise. They get a lot of publicity. They have a lot of hoopla. They shouldn't, but they do. Right. Because everybody wants to be center stage. And, and it's like this revival, like the, the Brownsville revival. You're really not a good Christian unless you go there. And the leaders go and say, look, God's moving. And none of them are saying, let's get back to the word. Let's let him work in our churches with the word of God. So I would say Reformation is quiet, it's unseen, mm-hmm. uh, it, it won't produce a bunch of, of, of big uh, instant results, but they will be long-lived long results. And I, again, just citing the Brownsville, look at the churches who got all caught up in that, look at where they are today, look at the churches who didn't get all caught up in that, and look at where they may be, and I mean individual churches, not denominations, that they're just, you know, they're still going on. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at my church, and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to be faithful to the Word of God here. I'm not going to worry about what's happening in Kentucky or Florida or anywhere else, because right. I'm not there. Mm-hmm. God called me to labor here, right? and the tools of my labor are the Word of God. So, so I believe Reformation will precede revival. And I read one post that was shared with me about the revival, and he pointed out the word revival is not even in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I think Dr. Truman mentions that as well. Mm-hmm. Revive is in the Bible. Uh, bring us to life again is in the Bible. But, but what is your definition? What is your definition of revival? And that is so broad. Right. You have to have a better definition. But even if we were to accept the word revival, I, I tell you that it's got to be a revival of the word. It's got to be a revival of solid biblical preaching. It's got to be a, a revival of us going back to the scriptures. As that, that beautiful song we sing, your words of life. It is the life of the churches in the Word. To be continued, we will continue this conversation in the next episode. And it keeps getting more and more interesting. Be sure to like and share this with your friends, and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.